Weather on Triple H, 100.1 FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Rotary Matters. My name is Ian Stewart and it's really good to be with you again on this lovely sunny autumn day. Now the idea of our programme, Rotary Matters, is to put the spotlight onto some of the many worthy causes, the projects and the people who make up a Rotary. Today our focus is on establishing an organic farming community in Senegal, a country in West Africa on the Atlantic Ocean coastline with a population of 17 million people. Now to help you get a fix on where it is, Senegal is bordered by Mauritania to the north, Mali to the east, Guinea to the southeast and Guinea-Bissau to the southwest. Senegal's economic and political capital is Dakar. Dakar you possibly know as the original destination for the famous original Paris to Dakar a car and motorbike race. And Senegal is a country which Chris McMillan, an enterprising young Australian from Sydney, first visited in 2013 under the auspices of World Vision. Since then, Chris has made a significant difference in guiding locals to establishing an organic farm producing fruits, vegetables and honey. This not only generates an income for locals in the town of Kafrine, but their nutrition has improved substantially and so too has the soil, overcoming the over-exploitation of natural resources and unsustainable farming practices. Now this social enterprise is called Gaia, that's G-A-I-A, and it contributes towards achieving the UN Sustainable Development Goals. It also, it also attracts the support of Rotary Clubs, including the Rotary Club of Warunga on Sydney's Upper North Shore. And I'm indebted to Anne Prescott from this club who first introduced this story to me. So in this episode of Rotary Matters, we meet Chris McMillan, who shares with us the story of setting up Gaia and the impact that it is having on those who live in Kafrine, Senegal. Now, I spoke uh, recently with Chris on Zoom. So today on Rotary Matters, it's a great pleasure to have with us Chris McMillan, um, who's going to talk to us about a project that he's been running in the West African country of Senegal. Chris, good day to you. For our listeners, Give us an idea, if you would, please, where is Senegal? Give us an idea of the, the population and the sort of socioeconomic situation over there, please. Yeah, g'day, Ian, and thanks very much for having me on the program. Uh, yeah, be delighted to tell you a bit about Senegal. Um, it's a bit unknown to us in uh, Sydney, Australia. It's uh, located in West Africa. It's actually the westernmost point of Africa. Um, population of about 17 million, and it's actually considered one of the more stable countries in Africa and uh, has considerably strengthened its democratic institutions since its independence from France in 1960. Um, but, yeah, Senegalese people are friendly, outgoing. Uh, they've got a peaceful nature, and the country is a real model for religious coexistence uh, in the way in which um, Muslims and Christians celebrate each other's religious festivals and live in um, in, in good uh, coexistence. Um, but despite that stability, um, uh, poverty is very high in Senegal. Um, and, uh, you know, the uh, GDP stood at about 25 billion in 2020 in current terms. Um, the economy grew by more than 6% between 2014 and 2018. Um, but real GDP growth stood at just under a percent in 2020 down from about 4.4% in 2019 and 6.2% in 2018. So, uh, 
yeah, very poor country, but uh, also very stable and uh, and ripe for development. So is there a king of Senegal or a president of Senegal? Yes, there is a president. Um, it's much the same sort of system as in France. Okay, because it was previously a French um, colony. That's correct, yeah. But uh, they uh, gained their independence in 1960. Do they speak French uh, over there? That's right, yeah. French is the um, uh, official language. Uh, however, uh, there's a number of local languages, about a dozen local languages, uh, the major one, of course, being Wolof, uh, which is spoken all around the country. Uh, so most people um, can communicate with Wolof. And I can speak fluent French, um, and uh, my Wolof is not too bad. I can certainly get by, uh, but it's much <laughs> much more tricky than French for me. Okay. <laughs> So, Chris McMillan, um, what took you to Senegal in the first place, and more specifically to the town of Kafrine? Why were you there? How did it come about? Yeah, so um, I first uh, travelled to Senegal in 2013, uh, and I was very interested in uh, working in development. Uh, I was set up with um, a linking uh, agency which, which helped me connect with World Vision in Senegal, um, uh, which is very involved in uh, work with, with World Vision Australia around agroforestry, food security, livelihoods, uh, farmer-managed natural regeneration, um, particularly around the caffeine region. But uh, there was work happening in three different regions of, of Senegal. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just uh, became really inspiring sort of work. Uh, so although I only intended to, to sort of work in development for a, a year, I ended up staying for five years uh, just because I found it so um, incredibly rewarding and 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 enjoyable. So was this under the auspices of World Vision or were you attached to some other agency uh, working there in Kafrine? So, yeah, originally I um, was working with World Vision on food security, livelihoods projects, um, as I said, around farm-managed natural regeneration, uh, managing sort of deforestation and bushfires and so on. Uh, however, I then went on to um, uh, set up my own venture, uh, a social enterprise, uh, following on from my work with World Vision. So after finishing up with my projects with World Vision, I actually set up my own social enterprise um, designed to tackle the same sorts of issues around food security, resource scarcity and climate change um, and, and sustainably transforming our food system. Um and like most countries in Senegal, uh, sorry, in the Sahel, uh, Senegal suffers from diminishing unreliable rainfall associated with climate change, poor soil quality, unsustainable farming practices, unsustainable exploitation of natural resources, intense livestock grazing and, and rapid population increase, and various public health issues such as malnutrition. So all of those stresses are leading to increased levels of poverty and vulnerability to climate change, particularly in these rural areas. Uh, hence why I decided to set up a social enterprise focused on sustainable development to tackle these problems. Um, right. And th th this is Gaia, G-A-I-A, -A, the social enterprise? Yes. Uh, Gaia is the name of the social enterprise, which is for profit, uh, but also uh, for social and environmental impact. Um, so it's an organic farm uh, that's producing a range of organic fruits, vegetables and honey for sale on the local market. And in this way, we're creating jobs and boosting the local economy. We're also improving nutrition and promoting better resource and environmental management. So does the word Gaia actually have a, have a meaning in, um, in Senegalese or in the languages that they speak there? 
Gaia is actually coming from uh, Greek um, mythology um, and uh, is sort of representative of Mother Nature, Mother Earth, um, which uh, isn't an African concept, of course, but um, there is similar sort of concept around sort of Mother Africa um, and and certainly people can relate to the idea of uh, environmental protection and, and caring for, for our planet. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's certainly... Uh, a theme there that that even though it comes from Greek mythology that overlaps with um, uh, this idea of protecting uh, our common home, protecting our planet. Okay, so you set up um, this enterprise, Gaia, with very, very worthy aims and objectives. The local Senegalese um, community, were they aware at all of the idea of organic farming? Senegal um, has... Uh, a an association set up uh, the Federation for Organic Agriculture, and it's designed to sort of promote organic farming and develop that whole industry. But it's a relatively new market. It's um, uh, only in its infancy, really, in Senegal. But it is there. It is growing, uh, uh, and uh, there's certainly a big interest in agroforestry. Um, as I said before. Farmer managed natural regeneration. We've actually, through World Vision, regenerated some 85,000 hectares in the Kafrine region uh, with World Vision. And so this really builds on that uh, work around agroforestry and farmer managed natural regeneration, uh, farmers regenerating trees in their in their crop fields uh, and, um, and getting good density of those trees uh, in order to increase their um, yields and thereby improving their uh, incomes as well. So these ideas are already sort of developing in the form of agroforestry, uh, and it's not very far from organic farming. So I guess we're sort of building on the work that's already going on around agroforestry in Senegal and sort of moving it more in the direction of organic farming and regenerative agriculture, a bit more focus on composting, crop residue mulching, moving away from chemical fertilizers and the like. Right, but right. Given that farmers are understanding the value of trees and its its importance in terms of improving crop yields and um, and protecting uh, the environment and and all the um, value of trees, uh, all the ecosystem services associated with trees, uh, it's in the same time uh, encouraging better sort of uh, uh, regenerative agriculture practices that build on agroforestry principles. And what crops are being grown, Chris McMillan? Uh, there's a whole range of uh, fruits, vegetables and honey that we're uh, producing on right. our organic farm. In particular, Moringa, which is a very uh, good crop that grows out there in caffeine, uh, very high in protein and ticks off a lot of uh, amino acids and uh, antioxidants. Uh, at the same time... Is that uh, a fruit or a vegetable? Whole tree is, edible. is it? Is it a tree? This is actually a tree and the, the leaves are edible. Um and as I said, extremely nutritious, uh, and it grows very well out there. So this is one crop. Uh, in addition, there's a whole range of uh, fruits and vegetables like uh, tomatoes, okra, potatoes, pumpkin, uh, chili, uh, a whole range of fruits like uh, mangoes and guava, etc. We've also got beehives and uh, producing honey. So a whole range of, of products. Uh, and as I said, this is uh, all for sale on the local markets, and we intend to work with other farmers in the region to build um, our production and uh, send that to the premium markets in Dakar and potentially exporting down the track. 
but at this stage, we're just building the model farm with a view to uh, using that to uh, scale up organic farming across the whole region uh, and see a much more substantial production uh, for commercialization. Okay, welcome back to Rotary Matters, in which we profile some of the many worthy causes, the projects and the people who make up Rotary. So today we were talking with Chris McMillan from Gaia, a social enterprise which he founded in Senegal, West Africa. And we now find out what difference this project is having on the lives of the local community. So th this must be making quite a difference to the lives of people in that community. They've, they've got good, healthy, nutritious food and fruits, vegetables. Um, they're deriving an income from the work that they're doing on these farms. Is our overall standard of living rising, Chris? Absolutely. Um, as I said, this is just a model. And when we start talking about extending organic farming across the whole Caffrean region, that's substantial impact because we expect to restore at least 10,000 hectares by working with local organisations. We've set up a memorandum of understanding with about a dozen other organisations, local government, companies and NGOs, to collectively uh, use Gaia as a model uh, and work with local organisations to actually uh, extend um, this work across the region through peer-to-peer -peer learning, farmer-to-farmer -farmer exchanges, particularly through farmer leaders, which are very uh, good sort of role models in their communities, uh, leading by example. So working closely with them uh, and other NGOs, companies and government to be able to see at least 10,000 hectares of land restored. Um, and in the process, that's going to be improving uh, the uh, the crop yields and, and incomes of those families. As I said, uh, agroforestry and organic farming are very similar. And what we've seen with agroforestry is, uh, thanks to farmer-managed natural regeneration, uh, farmers doubling or tripling their crop yields over a, over a time frame of, 10 to, of five to ten years. Um, so that's some substantial sort of improvements in, in livelihoods. In addition, um, we're supporting, Gaia's personally supporting five local nutrition sites um, with organic produce to reduce child malnutrition. And, uh, and in addition, we're creating about 20 jobs with our own farm. Uh, and as I said, this is a real model for the whole region uh, and thereby making a much more substantial impact across the whole central Caffrean region. So are you running this exclusively on your own or do you have a team of people over there in Kafreen who are applying these ideas within the local community? Yeah, I have a team that I set up over in uh, Kafreen in Senegal to be able to execute our business plan, to be able to carry forward the project and our plans uh, and, and work with our partners without me. Uh, I, of course, initiated the, the social enterprise, injected a lot of capital to get the project going. Uh, but certainly after my recent trip to Senegal in December, January, I, uh, I have total confidence in the team over there to be able to um, execute all our plans uh, without me, which is very uh, reassuring. And, and I feel really delighted that um, I can sort of step back and, 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 and let the local community appropriate the project, take ownership of it, and really see it through to success um, without relying you know, on, on outside support so much. So uh, you mentioned it needed some capital to get it going, and I imagine it continues to require a certain amount of cash injection. Where, where is the money coming from? So I uh, injected about 100 grand 
um, from private funding uh, to buy sort of initial equipment, get a team together, uh, buy up land, fence it off, basic infrastructure. Uh, and then recently uh, uh, secured 130 grand of funding uh, over three years, uh, various sources of income. Uh, to begin with, it was a, a crowdfunding campaign uh, with over 100 donors raising about $10,000, which really helped build awareness and interest in the project and the work we're doing. Uh, and um, later uh, managed to secure uh, $90,000 through um, a, a generous bequest uh, from a gentleman uh, named uh, Jan de Vaux, who was a Quaker man who left um, a lot of money in his will for good projects such as this. Um, and uh, so through applying for funding uh, through the Quakers, I was able to secure uh, through the Jan de Vaux Peace Fund $90,000 over three years. Um, and that's being handled by Rotary. Uh, to ensure transparency and channeling the funds appropriately through to Senegal. And uh, in addition, uh, 30 grand from the Australian High Commission in Ghana. Uh, so that's so the Australian did, government. Was Jan de Vogt, um, was he living or uh, in Senegal or, was, or is he based somewhere or was he based somewhere else? Uh, he was based here in Sydney, in um, Sydney. And, uh, and passed away a couple of years ago. Um, uh, he lived in McMahon's Point and uh, and actually left a, a substantial amount of money uh, in his will for good causes. All his life, he dedicated himself to peaceful projects, working with refugees and asylum seekers, trying to fight for peace um, and, uh, you know, left a great legacy. In his will, um, as I said, he left a substantial amount of funds for good projects like um, the, the work we're doing in Senegal with Gaia. Uh, and so I applied for funding through the Yandavog Peace Fund and the Peace Fund Committee generously agreed to support the great work we're doing in Senegal and, and thereby continue on uh, Yan's legacy of creating a peaceful world um, and, and prosperous uh, sort of uh, world in which um, countries like Senegal, which are suffering from poverty, uh, can actually get out of poverty, can see an improvement in their livelihoods and, and, and that thereby increases security and, and stability in these countries. So um, economic growth is, is, is one form of achieving a peaceful world. I think he would be very proud, Chris McMillan, of what you've done and are continuing to do to honour his legacy and the um, inheritance that you've received to get the whole thing up and, up and running. Um, the UN Sustainable Development Goals do you align in some way with them in the work that you're doing? Absolutely. And um, as I said, this is, is sort of reliant on economic growth for peace and prosperity. Um, but that's not the only objective. Of course, economic growth is important and we do have an objective to be profitable so that it's all sustainable and doesn't rely on ongoing support. So um, there's social, there's um, economic objectives as well as social and environmental um, and that responds directly to eight UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, in particular, no poverty, zero hunger, gender equality, um, decent work and economic growth, uh, responsible consumption, production, climate action, life on land, and partnerships for the goals. So those eight SDGs 
uh, in particular, we make a positive contribution towards. And uh, simply put, um, we're creating 20 jobs directly uh, as part of our model farm. Uh, we're supporting five local nutrition sites to reduce child malnutrition. Uh, and uh, by working with a dozen other organizations in the in the uh, Kafarian region, uh, we're going to see at least 10,000 hectares of land restored which is at the you know at one time uh, on the one hand I mean uh, improving uh, livelihoods and, and and incomes and on the other uh, improving the state of our natural environment by land restoration and better environmental practices. Look, it's it's an admirable project. Um, I, I think you'll you'll have um, pricked the interest of a lot of our listeners. Is it at all possible for a Westerner or someone from another country to come and have a look? At what you're doing at the at the farm absolutely so uh yeah we've actually had uh two visitors uh visit our organic farm uh one from germany and another from austria and uh they've both been very supportive of the work we're doing uh provided uh financial support and uh technical input so that's been extremely valuable so anyone that uh, wishes to visit would be more than welcome uh, to see the great work we're doing and um yeah we'd be delighted to to receive guests in actual fact, uh, one of the um, ideas for growth down the track is uh, around ecotourism. Uh, so we are looking into that possibility further down the line of uh, of uh, working with the local uh, hotel in Kaffrin to to have a, an ecotourism program where visitors that might be interested in visiting, doing a local safari, visiting the park Nyokolokaba, which is a safari park in Senegal, uh, might be interested in uh, uh, making a pit stop in Kaffrin on their way through uh, to see the great work we're doing in organic farming and the impact that's having on local communities um, to, to get a real sense of the great work that's going on here uh, so, and have a hopefully enriching experience at the same time. How does that, how does someone actually get to Catherine? So as you set off from Sydney, how would you how would you make your way there? Most people would travel um, either from Sydney to Dubai with Emirates and then Dubai to Dakar. Alternatively, uh, you could fly to uh, Johannesburg in South Africa and then on to Dakar with uh, South African Airways. So uh, either of those options work. Um, alternatively, people coming from Europe can can easily get down to Dakar on Air France or Tap, uh, tap Air with Portugal. So there's a range of options, but in particular, uh, the easiest and perhaps most comfortable way to get there is, uh, as I said, with Emirates flying from Sydney to Dubai and then Dubai to Dakar. And from Dakar to Kafrin is what sort of journey? And then getting to Kafrin from Dakar uh, is a is a um, drive of about four hours. Okay. Okay. Well, look, um, Rotary um, has supported you in some uh, to some extent. I know that the Warung- sorry, Warunga Rotary Club is, is one such. Uh, I guess you'd like to help. Um, you'd like us to help spread the word to other Rotary clubs. You'd be available to um, do a presentation to them about uh, Gaia and the work you're doing. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to uh, to speak to other Rotary clubs and and uh, tell them about the great work we're doing in Senegal. Um, and uh, uh, if anyone wishes to get in touch, I'd be more than happy to to uh, give more information about uh, the work we're doing with Gaia and in Senegal. So, Chris McMillan, thank you very much indeed for your time in telling us this most, most inspiring story about the, the work that you're doing, the difference that you're making um, in the country of Senegal, West Africa. Are you due to go back there yourself 
very soon. Thanks very much, Ian. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go back to to Senegal uh, just to to see the progress firsthand. I'm of course getting updates uh, on WhatsApp regularly. Uh, in terms of when I next plan to visit, I'm not sure yet when that will be. Uh, perhaps in the next few years, I'd certainly be very keen to to see the progress firsthand. But in the meantime, as I said, it's great just to uh, to get a feel through the uh, the photos that I get and updates from the team over there. And it sounds like uh, it's all going really well. So it's uh, just an absolute uh, delight to see uh, the, the progress and, and the um, and the success without my direct involvement. And so um, are there some images somewhere on the internet of what it looks like um, on the organic farm? Yes. Um, and I'd be more than happy to, to share those with you and any other listeners that are, that are keen to learn a bit more. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, I hope you've been as, as inspired as I have but with this conversation today. It's a terrific project and a great credit to you, Chris McMillan, for your pioneering work over there. Wishing you every success in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Ian, and thanks very much for having me on the program.